Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast. My name is Louis Cameron, speaking to you after a memorable opening day of the Ashes. It was a day of first as just about everything went the host's way. England were routed for just 147 in 50.1 overs before the heavens opened up and rain meant Australia's reply would have to wait until day two. Mitchell Stark struck with the very first delivery of the day, clean bowling Rory Burns, while it was a dream first act as test captain for Pat Cummins, who grabbed five for 38, including the prize wicket of Ben Stokes. Cameron Green also took his maiden test wicket, removing Ollie Pope, whose 35 runs was bettered only by Joss Butler's 39. I spoke to Ricky Ponting a little earlier for all his thoughts on the action. Ricky Ponting, thank you very much for, for joining us here at uh, cricket.com.au. Let's start with um, the first ball of the day. It was an amazing start to an Ashes series. Um, it will be one of those moments I think we'll all talk about where we were when uh, Mitchell Stark bowled Rory Burns. Where were you, mate? Were you were you on air? Were you calling it? Yeah, I was in the comms, comms box, yeah, sitting right next to Tim Lane, who has led us up beautifully to that first ball. And we're all just in anticipation, obviously, as we've been for months, you know, leading up to the first Ashes Test match. And, you know, the other thing, I guess, was was Stark even going to play the game? And then he's standing at the top of his mark with a brand new ball in his hand. And, yeah, I mean, when it... And we've just been talking to him then. It's, you know, probably wasn't the way that he planned it out. But, um, you know, the thing that I love, it was fast, it was full, and it did swing. And, you know, Burns made a mistake. But um, what under Starkey and the Gabba just went berserk, didn't it? It was, it was great to see people back at the game. Great to see the, the, the atmosphere that was created for the first day of the Brisbane Test, which is, you know, one thing that we all miss um, that have been up there and played in those games. So, yeah, no, fantastic for Starkey. Just what he needed, I think, at the start of, of the summer. You know, a little bit of confidence. He's probably... He's copped it a bit the last few months from different parts of the media about whether he should be in the side or whether he should be playing. So, you know, almost a perfect start for him and a pretty good start for the Aussies all round. Paddy said that he was going to be in the team, I think, on Saturday, so, so quite early on. Do you, do you think before that they did consider whether Jai Rickston might be the man for that spot? Uh, I think they should have, yeah. Mm. I, I think they should have considered Jai. Jai's obviously in, um, you know, really, really red-hot form right now. Um, and I've said about Mitch for, for a long time, I, I love what he brings to the table, but... Because um, he's the overall package of what he has of you know tall left arm fast and swings the ball. If but if he's not swinging the ball, then I don't think he's anywhere near as effective. So I, I, you know I said on air today as well. I think that the few days leading up to this Test match were, were going to be really important for Mitchell Stark. If he could prove to the coaches and the players and the captain that he is bowling fast and he can swing it, then he's just picked. Simple as that. Because we can see how dynamic and how damaging he can be. But if he had have had a couple of poor net sessions leading into. Um, when they finally picked the team and he wasn't swinging the ball, that's when I think they would have considered Joe Richardson. And, and he was swinging the ball today, right? Like, what did you... I mean, we all saw it on the on the broadcast of that yeah. beautiful scene that he had to, yeah. to Rory Burns. I know it was leg stump, but 
there was that sign there that, that he did have the same right. Did you, did you see any change from a, maybe a technical point of view there? I didn't see much technical change at all. I mean, I think any time with Starkey, it's just his wrist, um, his wrist angle and how, he, how upright he can get the seam. You know, when he's not bowling well, he gets his, the, the, his wrist gets a bit this way and the ball comes out a bit that way and sort mm-hmm. of ends up fading away from the right-handers. But um, he's, he's obviously done some work because we didn't re- really see him swing the, the new ball batch in the T20 World Cup, did we? And, um, but if you're going to swing it, today was going to be the day up in Brisbane, a really grassy wicket and a very humid day. Um, but, you know, well done to him. I'm, I'm wrapped for him because, I, you know, we've probably all been there as players where you've, you've copped it for, you know, whether you should be in the team or not or your current form. And um, there's only one way you can answer that, and that's to get out there and take it on and, and, and bowl well, and he did that today. Speaking of same position, let's get into some HCL technical talk. Uh, there were six catches behind the wickets today. What did Australia as a whole do right, and, and what did England, you know, do wrong, especially in those that early session? Yeah, I th- look, Australia bowled well. They bowled. I mean, whenever you got conditions like that for Cummins and Hazelwood and Stark, they're, they're going to be hard work to keep out. Um, you know, Stark because he swings it, and the other guys because they they seam it both ways. They're not really swing bowlers, the other guys, but they're hitting a a very good area. They're always challenging the top of the stumps, um, which is what they did today. And you know. I think because of how much grass there was on, was on the wicket, they probably had to just be a little bit fuller than they'd normally be, you know, maybe one or two metres fuller than their natural length. Um, but the, the one thing that the English English batters didn't do well, they just didn't leave the ball well enough, mm-hmm. as simple as that. I mean, you look at Milan, you look at Stokes's dismissal, um, you know, Root, Root probably had to play at his. Mm-hmm. Hamid definitely didn't need to play at his. Um, and maybe that's just a bit of rust or not the experience of playing at the Gabba very often on, on day one when there is some movement and there's a little bit of sort of tennis ball bounce that, uh, that is associated with Brisbane day one. So they'll learn from it. But, you know, I say it all the time that when you let, well, not let, but when you've got Hazelwood and Cummins uh, dictating to you as a batsman, it, it's going to be a, a, an uncomfortable situation for anyone. You touched on their preparation there, Ricky, um, and both sides have had less than ideal preparation. So I imagine... It's not an excuse for England, but you know, is it a is it a reason for how they played today? Oh, look, I think we've seen most opposition teams come to Australia and day one in Brisbane. If it's the first test, I mean, mm. we've got, we remember back last year it was the fifth test, wasn't it? So it was different for India then. Mm. Um, it's not the first time I've seen it here. It sometimes doesn't matter how much prep you get. You know, when it's if you play a, a, a state game or play a, ga- a game amongst yourself out in the Gabba, and then you come there for a test match, it's just completely different. Mm. Um, the pressures are different. All that stuff comes with it. And, you know, pressure and nerves are one thing that we shouldn't underestimate because we talk about decision-making for batters and how important that is. Well, if you're nervous, um, you can't make, you're not making as good a clear decisions as if you're not. So, and that's, that's a bigger part as anything. And, you know, the build-up, the nerves, some guys out here for the first time, you can understand that those mistakes are going to happen. It looked like there might have been a bit of nerves there in Rory Burns and just how he moved. Did you kind of sense that with just that move across his, his crease? I reckon he'll get back, and we've said this on air today as well, he'll get back in there and watch the replay mm. and he won't believe how far he's moved. And that's yeah. that's just nerves. You know, you, you, Quite often with your footwork patterns anyway, you, you end up moving a whole lot more than what you think you are. You, know, mm. you talk to guys even in the T20 game when they're looking to give themselves some room outside leg stump, they don't realise how far they are moving. But yeah. you know, Burns will look at that today. And when, when he actually sees the ball go past his foot. I don't think I've seen a batsman in a worse position ever than what, than what happened today. So he's got some work to do there because now the Aussies have seen that. They'll, they'll definitely go back there again. Interesting. Um, there's been a lot of talk about Pat Cummins uh, versus Joe Root for, for obvious reasons. as the two skippers for this series. Uh, but it's Hazelwood who's got him more times in Test cricket. I think it's eight over, um, over Cummins, seven. Do you think he could be a bigger threat just with his, maybe his extra pace and bounce? Um, I know it's only, we're only one day in, but do you think Hazelwood could be a bigger threat against Root in this series? 
I think they're both equally, can both be equally damaging to mm. be honest, because they're they're actually quite similar. Mm. The way that they bowl, their lengths are very similar. They you know they use the wobble seam. They're not big swingers of the ball, mm. and that's why they had success against Root in 2019 over there. They just had him they just had him stuck and pinned on the crease, and he just couldn't go anywhere. And when you're not getting scoring opportunities either, that's when batting becomes really difficult. And that's just what they don't do. So. Um, you know, as a result of 2019, you know, Joe Roots made some technical changes, but it was a very similar dismissal today of what we saw back in, in 2019. So mm. they're not going to, the Aussies are not going to change anything unless unless Root really gets away from them at some stage and they have to think about the way they're going to bowl. They're just going to keep doing that. They're going to keep attacking. You know, I say the top of off, but for someone like Root, it's probably, you know, three quarters of the way up, up off stump because mm. you want to be on the fuller side and challenging that front pattern and his stumps. You don't want the ball going over the stumps to him. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Pat Cummins' first day as, as Test captain was—I mean—it was a dream start, really taking you know five wickets himself and England all out for 147. The move when he took Stark off after just two overs um, was an interesting one because Stark had, had started quite well. Do you think that kind of shows there's there's a real confidence and, um, and and he's got the relationships with you know the bowlers to be able to pull off something like that? Yeah, and look, I think they've probably spoken about that anyway because mm-hmm. of the of the success that Hazelwood and. Cummins both have against Joe Root. It was when Root was mm. out there. So it wasn't necessarily that Stark had only bowled two overs. I mm. think it was the fact that Root had come in and they wanted those two to bowl at him early on, not, not let him get away at all. Um, and having been there as a batsman as well, when you know that there's one or two bowlers in the opposition team that have got your number, you, you, you don't want to see them straight up. So I think that was good captaincy, good leadership from Cummins to do that. Um, and it was a similar situation late today. Cameron Green came and got his first wicket, and then he was straight off. Get Hazelwood and Cummins back on together to, to try and clean up the tail. So, no, I think everything that that um, Pat did today was great. One, he bowled well. The other two quicks bowled well, and the catching from the Australians today was brilliant. The flip side of that, Joe Root uh, had the chance to bowl all bat first. He, he chose to bat, which is uh, considered, I guess, a safer option for for captains, did he miss a trick or did England just bought that poorly? I've talked about this for years because you're only ever criticised mm. if you win the toss and bowl mm. and your team and the team gets away from you batting first. But if you win the toss and bat and get bowled out for 100, is that a good decision or not? It, well, it's not. It's an equally bad decision. So mm. it's, it's, you're right. It's, I mean, it's the more... It was the more courageous decision for Joe today, especially when you're a top-order batsman and you know you're going to have to probably be out there early. Those, uh, those are tough calls. But I'll think back to the selection of their team as well. I think if Anderson and Broad were both in that team with, with Robinson or with Wokes, there's three guys that would have just eaten up those conditions and they would have been hard work to face there. So if they had to name those guys in the 11, potentially their decision to bat first might have been different as well. They might have decided to bowl and give those guys the absolute conditions that they want. So, yeah, they, I mean, they would have thought long and hard about it and I'm sure talked long and hard about it, not just this morning, but the whole week because it's been wet up there. There was, always, there was some talk that the wicket's probably going to be a little bit underdone. Um, so, look, let's see both teams bat on it first. It's not going to be easy for Australia tonight or tomorrow either um, because there's not been much cricket on it today and there's not been much sun on it and there's a lot of rain happening now. So let's let's see. And if they happen to bowl Australia out for under under, you know, 150 mm. or under 200, then it's it's probably not a bad decision after all. So on Broad and Anderson, which you touched on there, there was a suggestion that, that Jimmy might have might have been injured for this test. Did you think that that might not might not have been the case necessarily? Well, I think it has to be the case that he's not playing. Mm. But we heard yesterday he was ruled out quite early. Apparently, he went and did a 50 minute bowling session in the afternoon after he was being told he wasn't playing. So mm. he, he can't have a niggle. Mm. Um, it's got to be about trying to find a way to manage him through into the Adelaide Test in conditions that will suit. But if they go to Adelaide 1-0 down and haven't played their best team 
Well, well, sorry. That's they must think that this is their best team for this game. Mm. And that I mean, I can't see why you would give Australia any little advantage, whatever, in up in Brisbane um, at the start of an Ashes series. The other thing I'll back it up with is, I think he's got seven wickets in four games at, mm. at the Gabba. So that might be another reason they left him out as well. But today, for me, it just seemed like it was different conditions that he would have ever bowled um, in before in Brisbane. And I'm I'm staggered that well, both of them aren't playing. Certainly, at least one of them. Yeah, well, I mean, Broad's record, I don't have the numbers right here in front of me, but I think Broad records, Broad's record at the Gabba is pretty good. He took a fifer on, on day one four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounded like a later call to make the call between him and, and maybe Jack Leach. Yeah, what did I, you make of him? I think he's, re- he's, he's probably his best ground in Australia, actually, Brisbane, yeah. looking at numbers. I think he's taken, he's taken 12 wickets, I think, up there in three test matches. So, yeah, look, uh, as I said, we all nearly fell off our stools this morning when we heard that, mm-hmm. that Broad was out as well. Um, and, you know, they are. Like, they have got a really good seam attack because that's the conditions that they brought up in, right? So, you know, Wokes is a, is a very good bowler. Robinson, what I saw against India in conditions that favoured, was a very good bowler. And Mark Wood's the X-factor type that would give him a bit of extra pace. So, um, yeah, maybe the option was to leave the, the spinner out and, and keep Broad in. That that probably probably would sit better for me than not having Broad or Anderson in the, in the eleven. Just a final one on this. Um, Chris Wokes, I guess, might have been the man who, who did come in. Maybe maybe it would have been Robertson who would have missed out if Broder Anderson played. He's got 10 wickets at 49 uh, from the last Ashes series and averages 52 away from home. Is there a bit of heat on him now to stand up and perform with you know two guys um, with pretty good records on the bench? Yep, yep. Um, someone's, well, two are probably going to have to go out for Adelaide, aren't they? So <laughs> probably almost regardless of if they have a good game or not, they're probably mm. going out for Adelaide anyway because you would think that Broad and Anderson are both going to come back for there. If that's if it's been all about management from now to make sure they're at their absolute best for Adelaide, then, you know, two of the three that have played this game have got to go. So, you know, it mightn't even matter if Wokes has a great game or not. He might be making way for one of their legends next week. Very good. Thanks, Ricky. No worries. Thanks, mate. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.